For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned into the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe Delio, and joined by my co-host, Ryan Roberts. We're turning the page. It's finally time to talk about the 2023 class. You probably think that I'm insane for being this juiced up to talk about next year's class when last draft literally just happened, but we don't care. We are a machine here. And I'm excited just to detail some of these prospects because we're going to really get into breaking these guys down throughout the whole summer. But one, one key thing, Ryan, that's different this this cycle. I'm actually going to watch some film. <laughs> and and you're emphasizing random words in your sentences, too. Which Those aren't random more... words. That's not what you, you said. Some, don't, I, question I, my, don't question my inflection. I, I already I mean, I, I don't listen to your intros usually, so I already forget what you wow. said. But you just you just went to this and give me a little emphasis. part of the show. It's the best yeah. part of the show are my intros. Yeah, no context to the situation, no no analysis, just this the intro and the outro. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the but don't forget now the ad the, reads. Don't forget the ad the, reads. <laughs> the ad reads on the FCS show are, are much better. But the the now the best parts of the show are gonna be when I do my analysis because I'm actually watching some freaking tape and we can actually talk about these guys and it's not just all oh, you, damn it. Yes. I hey man, it's it's a long time coming. I mean, how long have we yeah. been doing this show, Joe? What's it like three years now? Something three three years. And my my role for anyone who's previously listened in was just to kind of facilitate the conversation between you and Alex. And admittedly, did not really have time to watch tape. I completely cleared some stuff up, responsibilities that I was doing. No longer doing the big blue view show, just because it kind of hit ceiling and I would like to focus on this. And actually get to talk about this stuff instead of just asking you questions for for 30 minutes at a, you know every couple of days. So I'm excited for the 2023 class though, Ryan. How, how are how are you enjoying the 2023 class so far? Are you enjoying yourself? Um, I am enjoying it so far. I started with quarterbacks be, because I thought that it would be the more exciting group to dive into. And I, we have a, a discussion show that we're going to start off with, not today, but our next episode, probably early next week, which is the big topic, Stroud versus Bryce Young. And we're going to dive mm -hmm. deep on that. But the the quarterback class so far, I got a couple more guys that I want to watch. I, I want to watch Dracovic and, and Leary, but um, I, I'm liking it so far. I'm glad that I didn't start last cycle and the first quarterback class that I witnessed was the ugly disgusting one that was the 2022 class and now i get to start off with this really exciting group of 2023 kids i i can't wait for this stroud versus young debate man it's it's already been circulating on twitter so it's it's i'm already exhausted to be honest i'm already exhausted what is it with you and getting so exhausted by 
quarterback conversations. Why do you <laughs> you just hate talking you quarterbacks? Know, no, no, you know what? No, I I love talking quarterbacks. I love talking prospects in general. It's just the fact uh-huh. that that's all everybody ever talks about on Twitter, so it gets a little exhausting, man. I mean, yeah. you know, Twitter is a great and yet exhausting place a lot of times, right? So that's all people want to talk about right now. It's just like last year, everyone just wanted to talk about how bad the quarterback class was, which it was to a large mm-hmm. degree. But now everyone just wants to talk Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud. There has to be a line drawn. You can't just say, like, I like both players, and then we'll see how they develop in you know, next year, which is a reasonable thing to talk about. No, we have to we have to plant our flag right now. Uh, Gotta plan yeah. it. Why waste our energy debating one A, one B for two guys that are probably going to turn into really talented starting quarterbacks when we could be debating who's the best long snapper in the class, the more important discussion topics. Do you, do you know who the best long snapper in the class is right now? Do you, do you uh, know this? I, I actually don't know the, any of the 2023 snappers. I have a, I have my, my, I have a couple guys that are in college who are absolute fiends for long snappers and they train mm-hmm. with some of these guys. So th- if I ask them, I, you know, I'm, I bet I get an answer by the end of this show. I'm going to well, text them who's the best snapper in the 2023 class. All, I, all I'll say is the NFL doesn't care about long snappers, obviously, because Khaled Itemitis was one of the best snappers I have ever seen personally, and he didn't even get drafted. So I completely agree with that. I was yeah. legitimately shocked that he wasn't drafted because he was supposed to be one of the yep. best snapping prospects in a while, but we didn't get that. Enough on, on long snappers, though. We, we got to talk about this 2023 class. We're going to get into it. Um, before we do, though, I just want to tell you folks about Bet Online, who's our official partner for the show. I know that there's no football going on right now. There is USFL if you want to bet on that and you've been watching some of that stuff. But if you want to make some of these basketball, hockey, baseball games more entertaining because I don't know about you, most of the time they're pretty boring for me to watch. Head to bet online, put some money down. It makes it all the more fun. Fun of all the all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So today's episode, Ryan, we're going to dive deep on this 2023 class and this is going to be our precursor. This is going to set us up for the, the summer of, of talking about who is going to be the best players in college football this upcoming season. I want to outline the class. Overall, though, just some early impressions from you, because I, I obviously I'm never, I am never going to catch up to you in the amount of prospects that you've watched in a period of time. Uh, but just from what you've seen so far, things that you've read and heard, what are the general thoughts on the, on the 2023 class? I, th- I think the defensive line group is going to be fantastic. I, I don't know if it's going to be nearly as much depth in the defensive end edge class as last year, but I think when we're talking about the defensive line next year, interior-wise, is going to be probably the best interior defensive line class we've had in several years because it has not been great over the last couple. So excited to see that. I have some questions in the secondary just based on some initial lists I've made. I think the wide receiver class is, again, going to be good, not as good as this past year or the previous three years in general quarterbacks are going to be a lot better running backs though and i know you know people running backs don't matter 
But next year's running back class could be the best running back group since that Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey group that we got a few years ago. Like, it's going to be a fantastic group. And then there's a lot of question marks, obviously. Like I, I People, I think, they always get into this little lull, Joe, where they just kind of go like, oh, next year will be better. And it's not always the case. I think that we're definitely there's definitely some classes that look like they're going to be a lot better up top than they were this past year. But I think that some people didn't give enough credit to the simple fact that 2022 had a lot of depth in a lot of different positions. So the de- the top might be a little better next year, just early on, kind of just some quick analysis. But I'm, I'm interested to see how everything kind of works itself out because I, I we again just get into that little next year is going to be better, and I don't think that's always the case personally. But one thing I will say, it feels as though the past, especially the past couple of drafts, there has been some market over corrections at various position groups. So in the 2021 draft, there were there was no edge talent. There was really no quality edge prospects. And then this draft in 2022, there's an overcorrection. There is a, a an abundance of of edge prospects and depth at the edge position, and it, it kind of seems like right now, based on what happened in the twenty twenty two class, this twenty twenty three class has a market overcorrection at quarterback, and mm-hmm. like you just talked about, at interior defensive line. Besides Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, it, it was relatively thin, and it thinned out pretty quick in the interior. Instead, we've got a lot of guys to talk about that we're going to bring up later. But the quarterbacks, there it has been thrown out there, and I think it was Mel Kiper or was one of the ESPN folk that said it was it was Mel. It was it was Mel. it was yeah. Mel that said that there's a possibility that we get six and a half over six and a half quarterbacks selected in the first round, which is ridiculous. But we're definitely going to have more than one, and we're going to have more actual quality, the discussable quarterbacks for this upcoming year. It seems like. Yeah, I mean that that comment by Mel, I was just kind of like, I I felt the same thing. I was like, oh, that that would obviously be just be a massive, that would be a massive overcompensation for what we just had last year. So like, I could get there kind of, but like, man, seven quarterbacks in the first round, a lot, isn't it? Like, that's a lot of dudes, man. I mean, there's a lot of players that are really interesting, and it's definitely a t- better class up top than it was last year. There's no doubt. But I mean, we already talked about the Stroud versus Young debate. After that, man, it, there's a lot of talent. There's also a lot of projection that needs to happen to get to seven. Like seven is a massive, massive number if he really thinks it's over in that situation. Going directly to that quarterback class, Ryan, we we have a lot of names that are going to be in the discussion. And the ones that sit at the top, right now it's going to be that battle, as you discussed, between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And that's something that I think we want to to dive into and and focus on at some point, which we're probably going to do on our next episode. But in that discussion for the first round, you also have Will Levis from Kentucky. You have Phil Dracovic from Boston College, which if he was healthy, might have even left early and left for this class, but was pushed back a little bit, would have probably easily been the first quarterback selected this past year. Again, is going to be a part of the 2023 group. Not to mention you have Tyler Van Dyke, who I know that you're not the biggest fan of, the Miami quarterback, Tanner McKee from Stanford, as well as Devin Leary from NC State, and then Hooker from Tennessee has been considered to be a high upside player. And then the last one, this is pure speculation, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Um, That one has no proof behind it. That one is just pure, the kid's a freak athlete, 
if he has a really good year this year, which is certainly possible under new leadership, he could be brought up in that discussion as well. So there's a ton of guys that were brought up. Obviously, not all of them are going to go in the first round, but more options this year, I think, is going to certainly increase the likelihood of us getting like four to five quarterbacks that go in the first round next season. I, I think what I like about this class early on is that I think that the depth of this class is maybe a lot like this past class in the sense that like there's probably more of these guys are probably projectable to be day two players right now, but have upside like Will Levis, his his tape is very inconsistent right now. Right. Tanner McKee has only played a handful of games. Tyler Van Dyke, I wasn't the biggest fan of just an initial watch. Anthony Richardson has huge upside, but hasn't played a ton. But I think the difference from this class to last year's class is why people hated last year's class so much is the fact that this one you do have a CJ Stroud and you have a Bryce Young up top, which is going to put some push some developmental guys a little further down. So going to be interesting to watch because I think we have a couple bona fide studs. There's probably going to be a guy or two that are going to develop and then become maybe that third, fourth quarterback, or maybe even threaten one of the top two. Like who knows what, what that situation will look like. It happens almost every single year. Excuse me. So we'll take a look at what that looks like. I'll say this, Joe, great conversation piece. Cause I really do think if Phil Dracovic didn't get hurt this year, he probably would have been the first quarterback off the board next last year. And you mentioned that briefly, like he, he may have been, I don't know if easily is the right word, but like maybe, like very possible. I mean, because no, like Joe, look at me. Way better prospect than no, no, no. I'm not. That's not what I was saying. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't put words (laughs) in my mouth, sir. The NFL though values quarterbacks a little differently than the general media sometimes, right? Okay, we we can agree with that. I am a much bigger fan right now of what I've seen of Phil Dracovic than Kenny. Anything I've seen of Kenny Pickett, I would have drafted him even if he was injured, uh, even if he came out last year over Kenny Pickett. That's not what I was saying. What I was saying is, is that I think there would have been a good debate of him be, maybe being the first quarterback off the board. But you just never know with the NFL, man. You never right. know. Like I was convinced that someone would take a gamble on the traits of Malik Willis over. A Kenny Pickett, because personally, I would have, because I just see a higher ceiling there, and I see a higher ceiling, obviously, with a Dracovic as well, but the NFL just overthinks some things sometimes. And then you mentioned one one guy I'll give a little tidbit on, because I know we don't want to go super in-depth as far as like the analysis piece of it. Mm-hmm. I actually really like Hendon Hooker. <laughs> I liked him last year, man. I, I did an evaluation for, for an agent last year, because he was contemplating coming out early, Hendon Hooker, or not early, not exercising the final year that he's coming back from. And I thought he was a pretty – I gave him like a third-round grade, man. I liked Hendon Hooker for what he did last year at Tennessee. So I'm excited about him. Devin Leary's a New Jersey great, right? Um, Wait, what's the high school? He went to Timber Creek. Went to Timber Creek. Is that one of those those Philly towns? No, man. That's like a Central Jersey-ish. Oh, so you, know? you admit that Central Jersey exists. No. What I'm saying is it's between what you perceive to be North Jersey and what I perceive to be South Jersey. So I'm going to call it Central because I'm not letting you claim <laughs> Timber Creek or Devin Leary. I'm not letting you do it. Uh, I, I did see him in high school, though, and he was one of the best high school players I've ever seen, man. Such okay. a good player. I mean, he he has the New Jersey record, I think, for touchdown passes. I think he threw for like 120 touchdowns or something in high school, like crazy number like that. Yeah, I mean, Leary's interesting. I, from what I understand, he's not that big, though. He's pretty s- small height-wise, right? He's like 6'1", yeah. He's not big. He's okay. not big. He's he's like not a crazy toolsy guy, but like he's just so accurate, and he just mm-hmm. – he's, he's a good player, though. He threw like 35 touchdowns last year or something like that for NC State. He had a really good year, so. 
that's that's pretty nutty. The other thing too, well, you talked about Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, who you were high on. The only thing that worries about me is him about the only thing that worries me about him. English, yes. Thank you. <laughs> is that it it feels like everyone's already starting to overhype him. Which oh, I, I think hate. that's I think that's Will Levis right now, man. Everyone is hyping that right. dude up. It, well, like, Will Will Levis is Will Levis from the draft perspective is definitely getting overhyped. But just from the college football perspective, everyone is talking about like Hendon Hooker came back. Tennessee's offense is going to do this, this, and this. And like I, I like Hendon Hooker, but I always, as we talk about on the show all the time, when guys start to get overhyped, it kind of ruins it for us because when they don't play up to those hyped up ex- expectations, everyone's suddenly disappointed. But when you're more realistic to start, when he plays better than you expect, maybe a little bit better than you expect, it's more rewarding for us. I'm just hoping that there's not this outlandish expectation that he's going to be maybe a top five pick, but he's, he's a right. great quarterback and he's going to fit into the class nicely. And he's a really, really good athlete. Yeah. And he's a guy that, I mean, if you look at my timeline, I, I posted a few things of him when he was at Virginia tech. Cause I was like, there's, there's traits here, man. Like there's definitely traits just Virginia tech was a shit show. Can I say shit show on the air? I just said shit show on the air. Well, it's fine. This isn't one of the ones that air for radio, but uh, if it was, I'd now have to comb through and delete that. But well, now you don't though. So that's good, man. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was just not a very well run program under Justin Fuente. And he went to Tennessee and immediately is just a much better player in that system. So yeah, I like Ed Hooker. I, I think I think he's going to be a little undervalued because people are going to freak out about the age. That's the only thing with him right now. He's going to be like he's like twenty. He's going to be twenty five, so he's a little bit of an older prospect, but still underdeveloped during his time in Virginia Tech. I think there's some context that needs to kind of be talked about with that. And I don't know. There's there's something working with there. I think there's something to work with. I always forget that he. I, I played against him. I physically did not play against him because he was not covering punts. But uh, I did get to watch him from the field level uh, when we played them. And almost, I, I like to say that we almost was, beat them. It wasn't what, too, was he too the far was off? He, was he the starter that game? Yeah, he. Um, he. I forget who was before him, but like they they had like an injury and they threw him out there. Quincy, Quincy Patterson, probably right. I don't know who was Quincy Patterson, um, but he mm-hmm. he did start that game, and it was like not unexpected. But they asked him to start, and there was like, "Oh, let's see what what he can do," kind of thing. Like he didn't really have that many starts under his belt at the time, and he played pretty well. There was some some jackass in the stands had some some shirt that uh, that they put on the um, the jumbotron that was a, a, a hooker joke, something like that. I forget what it was. I'm going to remember it later at, some, at Class, some point. Classy Rhode Island fans, man. No, no. Classy Virginia Tech fans. It was, was at Virginia Tech. Tech. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why no, would a Rhode Island fan have a hooker shirt? <laughs> I thought he was making fun of him. I don't know. I no, 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 no. It was the Virginia Tech saying like, oh, our quarterback's last name is Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to make fun of Virginia Tech. My One of my best friends went there and my brother went there. So I can make fun of them. Um, no, but the quarterback class. Fantastic. By the way, Ryan, I, I did confirm. I started and sparked the debate in a in a text between two college long snappers on who the best snapper in the 2023 class is. I don't know any of these names, but they're sitting here debating with each other uh, at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'm glad that I started that. <laughs> um, speaking of stars, though, 
Like is there a name? Snappers. You got to give us a name. You can't just say there's a list and not give us a name. Give us at least one name. Okay, I got Clay James from Miami, Joe Shimko from NC State. Uh, my guy Donato said, don't know much because some guys may stay, some may not. And then there's some uh, Deckers was brought up. There's another guy that was also thrown out there, but I don't think he's very good. And I've seen him in person. He's really, he's way too thin. He's tall, but I don't even want to, you know, glorify Glorify the kid because I think he's a tool. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about a legitimate star. Last class, the one thing that I kept getting asked on these radio spots, I know that you were too, and it kept being brought up, was that there's no star in the class. There's no star power. And it was because of the quarterbacks was why there was no star power. There was less intrigue. There was no bona fide, clear-cut first overall pick. And this year, I think we have that star power. And it's not just at the quarterback position. And I would argue the real star in this class to me, Ryan, is Will Anderson Jr., the Alabama edge rusher, who last season, 34 and a half tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks, should have been in the discussion for the Heisman over Aiden Hutchinson, but for some weird reason was not. But Will Anderson Jr. was so freaking dominant last year as a sophomore. And to be able to see what he's going to do this upcoming season is so exciting. And you have to bring him up the whole cycle as a potential first overall pick because whoever's picking there, if it's the Texans and maybe they love Davis Mills, he very likely could be that pick. Yeah, I I mean, at the core, the Heisman's supposed to be the most outstanding player in college football, right? Who was a right. better player in college football last year than Will Anderson? <laughs> I mean, it was he was just, better than Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young was fantastic, but he was better right. than everybody. It was better than everybody. I mean, fully. And he's going to be an interesting player because I can't wait for someone to overthink him. It's going to happen at some point in this draft cycle. Someone's going to be like, oh, he's a little small. It's just like, but he he just creates so much power. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And yeah. Here's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Is that he's going to get so much attention from opposing offenses and offensive lines. And I feel like his production might go down because of that. And that's oh, where man, the overthinking is going to come from. Yeah, and he's only going to have 20 tackles for loss and 10 sacks next year. Like, right, everyone's going to be like, what? Like, he dropped off in production. That's a concern. And then it's going to be like, did, did you watch him getting triple teamed? <laughs> well, I, I I think that's an important thing to talk about, though, is I actually talked about this with, with Brian Driscoll on Irish Breakdown. It's just like his numbers are not going to be what they were last year because you you can't replicate that again. 17 and a half sacks, 34 and a half tackles for loss. Like, that's nuts stuff, man. That's yeah doesn't happen historically. So his numbers are going to go down. And if people are just doing the the box score scouting stuff where they're just going to be like, oh, he wasn't as good this year because he had less sat- less stats, that's not necessarily true. He could play better next year and have not as good stats because there are going to be added attention to him, like you kind of said. The good thing for him is that he has the sophomore to be Dallas Turner on the other side of him where it's going to be like, oh, you can't really – put your full attention or else you're going to be a one-on-one on a really good player as well that we're going to be talking about this time next year. So I, yeah, Will's, Will's awesome, man. He's got length. He's got athleticism. He's flexible and he's incredibly strong for only being about 245 pounds right now at six foot four, incredible strength, man. Like just creates such power. I mean, yes, don't overthink it. If in, in, honestly, if you're an odd man front team that wants him as a 3-4 rush backer or you're an even front that wants him as a 4-3 defensive end, it doesn't matter. This kid's going to be a fantastic football player. He is 
about as can't miss as I've ever seen as a sophomore. Like he, he could have came out last year and been the first pick overall. And I feel like sometimes people overdo that because it's always the next thing's going to be better. Like I kind of talked about with the class, but I truly believe mm-hmm. that Will Anderson would have been the first pick off the board this year in the NFL draft. if He came out as a sophomore, 19 sure. years old. That's that's a big statement to throw out there, and I I don't think it should be a controversial one. I think most people should be agreeing with that. His level of dominance was it was unmatched. Everyone talked about how dominant Aiden Hutchinson was. I, everyone forgot about Will Anderson, and I, it almost feels like we were so caught up in Bryce Young and and the allure of that Alabama team and the the talent of the Georgia defensive line that throughout this this competition for a national championship game. He wasn't discussed as much, but expect a drop off in production, people. It's going to happen. They're going to have to double team team him. There's going to be a lot of uh, chipping from tight ends to slow him down. There is going to be a very aggressive effort by offensive coordinators to at least neutralize him a little bit. And other guys on that Alabama defense are going to tee off because they're put in better spots with less attention like you were just talking about. It's it's going to happen. All right, Ryan, I want to talk about this defensive tackle class, though, because we, yep. we didn't have a lot of defensive tackles. We also have a really good edge group coming up as well, separate from Will Anderson. Jalen Carter from Georgia was the most dominant player on this defensive line, and we spent all this time talking about Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis, but we need to acknowledge that Jalen Carter was the best of the group. He is somebody to pay attention to. Nolan Smith as well, who didn't have as much of a role last year, is going to get more of a role this year, is a fantastic edge rusher. And then some of the other names that we have, Gervion Dexter from Florida, Brian Brzee from Clemson, very, very dominant players, Brzee especially. There's a lot of names to pay attention to for the edge group and especially these, these defensive tackles. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, I already put a, a little uh, little clip of Jalen Carter because, like you said, I thought he was the best defensive lineman on that team last year. I thought he was. I mean, most impactful, I guess. Maybe let's rephrase that. Let's let's reboot for a second because obviously, I don't want to underrate Jordan Davis's impact as a run defender, right? Like he was probably the most the best defensive lineman on the team, but the most impactful one for me is Jalen Carter because of what he can do as an all-around football player. You mentioned Nolan Smith, who was a starter opposite of Trayvon Walker, right, at the 3-4 outside linebacker spot. He's really flexible, very athletic, former number one overall recruit. You should expect a big jump for his play heading into his senior year. I I expect something like that. But, I mean, their names, Gervion Dexter just screams Michael Brockers to Mm -hmm. me. That play was drafted – I think number 13 overall to the Rams, 12, somewhere in that ballpark. And he ended up being a really good player for the Rams for a while. And I think he's on the Lions now, if I remember correctly, because I think he went back with uh, Brad Holmes, who was an assistant GM with L.A. for a little bit there. So he's I think he's going to be a really solid player. He's got incredible length, could play kind of multiple fronts. Brian Brissy, I am ready to say this, man. I am ready to say it. This is the comp that I put on Twitter already. That kid is Indomitian Sue reincarnate. Like if he is, if he's able to stay healthy this year, I don't see any reason that Brian Brissy can't be a top five to ten player in this class. I think it's going to be a fascinating debate and fight to be the first interior defensive lineman off the board between Carter and Brissy. I think that that's something that I could see happening, and it's really going to depend on health and what style that you prefer. Because Jalen Carter is a little more true three tech. You know, attack style defense can also do a little bit as far as an odd man front for, for teams as a two gapper. 
Brian Brissy is six five, three hundred pounds, can play anywhere from one all the way out to five. Like he is that type of dude. He can play in multiple fronts. He would be perfect as just like a Pittsburgh Steelers and like that Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt type of role. Like dominant, dominant football player when he's healthy. Isaiah Foskey is the guy that I wanted to talk about a little bit from Notre Dame. I think that he can. I think he can make it. Shut up. I, I think he can make it. You're you're literally a Notre Dame fan as well. I know. I don't know. I'm give, just giving you yeah. shit. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Uh, Isaiah Foskey, I think, could be a big riser in next year's group, man, because I think he probably would have gone early second round if he would have came out this year, maybe late first. He might have snuck in there. But he, from a, I mean, he's 6'5", 260. That looks like he barely has any weight on him, and he's got length for days, and he's an explosive athlete. He was actually a tight end recruit by most people coming out of De La Salle High School. So he hasn't even been playing edge for that long, but he had 11 sacks last year in his first year as a starter. So Fossey's got big-time upside. And then I, I wanted to throw out Z, ZTF. I'm not going to butcher his name. Zion from Washington. He was a guy that two years ago people were really excited about because I think he only had like he had like nine sacks and only like seven or eight games played for Washington because they had an abbreviated season. And then this year he had an Achilles injury before the year. He ended up coming back, but he just didn't look like himself in the game or two that he played. So he might be a guy to rise. I've heard he's got his weight down a little bit. He was about a 6'3", 280-pound defensive end the year prior. He's down now apparently to 6'3", 255 pounds or so. So hopefully he has a return. I think it's worthy to mention. But either way, looks like a very talented defensive line group in 2023. Yeah, there's just so many names that we can throw out. And, and it's not it's not as deep as, as last year because of like the, the it was almost historic depth the the level that we we witnessed this past season and we're going to have so many guys that step up in different roles as as rookies and then eventually second year players but there is just unique talent and especially in the interior those guys that you talked about Percy and Carter are are really really freaking good and and we're going to get dominant players throughout college football with these two guys in particular and hoping that Brian Brzee is is fully healthy because we did lose him for periods of time with injuries. Um, yep. And if he's fully healthy, he's really freaking good. And th- he's another guy too who all the guys around him, that whole Clemson defensive line is going to be brought up as, as highly draftable prospects. So he's in a situation where he's going to be freed up because he's not the only guy in that group. Right. I actually muted myself, but I was agreeing with you. (laughs) Joe finally made a good point, and I went haywire, and I muted myself by accident. Yeah, I think Percy – I would say Percy has the highest upside of any defensive lineman in this group outside of maybe Will Anderson. Like, I think that he has all the tools to be a potential top-five pick. And working with Miles Murphy, who I didn't even mention in a little bit of intro, who might be another top-20 type of player, the defensive end for Clemson, the fact that he's there and you're not going to be able to put all your attention on a guy like Brian Percy – I think you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones in Clemson that you probably shouldn't get in a normal world. And, man, we're just not talking enough about that Clemson defense that's coming back, man, because, I mean, you talk about the Brissy and Murphy. They also have Tyler Davis, who hopefully is going to stay healthy because when he plays, he's a pretty solid football player, not not the, to the degree of those players as far as prospects, but a really good college football player that is a draftable type of player. And then they got an absolute freak, Joe, at linebacker, Trenton Simpson. We're going to talk about him a lot this cycle, man. The guy kind of plays the Isaiah Simmons role in that defense. So Clemson, again, fantastic defense coming back. Offense, not as much, but like their defense is going to keep them in a lot of football games next year. One thing as well, and you, you kind of hit on it earlier, there's a possibility that B. John Robinson is the, is the f- a first-round running back. There's certain a likelihood of it. 
it's something to pay attention to. The one thing I wanted to wrap with that is a far more exciting discussion is Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end, and how freaking good he can be, how high he could potentially be drafted. I saw some dumbass PFF take, and I'm so so sick of these these dumb dart throwing PFF takes from these nobody analysts where they they I it was uh, Eric Gilbert or like everyone was saying that Kyle uh, Pitts yeah. was genera- generational and Eric Gilbert is also generational. Eric Gilbert hasn't done a damn thing. We don't know what the hell he is. He's probably not going to be as good as as we anticipate he is, but there's a possibility because he's a good athlete. Michael Mayer is the generational player. The dude can block. The dude can catch. He has been uh, such a massive uh, offensive threat for Notre Dame's offense since being a true freshman. We got to talk about Michael Mayer in this class because he is so, so important for describing this landscape. He is yep. going to be very, very highly sought after. You know what's weird about that PFF take is I think I think that mock draft came from Mike Renner, who's a Notre Dame grad. <laughs> Which is kind oh, of is it? That they, yeah, I think so. I think so. But that's another conversation for another point, I guess. Oops. I think there's going to be a great conversation piece this year that is going to say, who is a better tight end prospect, Kyle Pitts or Michael Mayer? And on the surface, people are going to laugh and say it's Kyle Pitts, the guy that went fourth overall. As a best pass-catching tight end, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. Kyle Pitts is massive upside. He could be a perennial mm-hmm. thousand-yard receiver every single year, perennial Pro Bowler in that regard. But the fact that Michael Mayer brings you such high upside also as a blocker, which is not perfect yet, but the fact that this kid at 6'4 and a half, 250-plus pounds, is incredibly physical after the catch, at the point of attack, has really strong hands, even though he has a couple concentration drops that he needs to clean up a little bit. But the kid is a loose athlete, Runs really good routes for the position, especially for a guy his size. Michael Mayer is a star, man. Michael Mayer is an absolute star. I think he's a top 20 pick next year. There's no doubt about it. Even at tight end, which gets undervalued sometimes. So we'll see it there. And I just want to add a quick note on B. John Robinson because I know you skated over because I'm sure that we're yes. behind time already. But I'll say time, is, but I didn't want to be a 50-minute episode. I got it. I got okay. it. All I'll say is the question that we you wanted to hit on, potentially, if we had time, was is he a first-round running back? The answer is yes. I'll leave it there. Why? He's a special athlete. You can't hang, cliffhang us like that. Why? <laughs> He's just a different type of cat, man. I don't even think his vision is that great, but you see him ju- do a, hit a jump cut and just explode laterally. This kid's an athlete at running back that just doesn't come out very often. So he's mm. he's a different dude. He's I'm very much on the on the wavelength that like I don't tend to value running backs that highly, as high as maybe some people do. Like late first, I'm cool with second round, absolutely into day two, like cool. But like I think that this kid could be a top fifteen player. He's he's that special in my opinion. Maybe ten top ten player, regardless of positional, you know. Um, preference or whatever so value is what i meant well there is as you can tell folks some serious talent in this 2023 class and we're going to spend the summer talking about these guys so stay tuned next week we'll probably do uh, a deep dive on the quarterbacks going to do a bunch of episodes talking about them be sure to hit that subscribe button so you're caught up on everything that we have going on uh with this upcoming cycle and this college football season we'll talk to you later folks
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.